0: Hello Echo family, thank you for joining us again online today and we're so glad that we've still been able to stay connected and I want to tell you a few things before we begin today's service. Number one is if you have a chance, we've been trying to get together at 11 o'clock on Sundays on video and we just want to say hi, we just want to check in with each other, see each other's faces, so if you can, the link is on this page. There's also links here because the men and women's groups are still meeting together online. And we'd love for you to participate, even if you haven't before. It's a great chance to just see each other, see how one another is doing, and stay connected during this time. Number two, I want to thank you guys so much for your continued generosity. We're a generous church, and we appreciate that you've continued to give. Links are online. We've been trying to post specific needs for some of our community partners, such as Frederick Douglass Elementary, Back to Back Cincinnati. As you can see, we're still the church. We're still ministering, still supporting our community. And we thank you because you make that happen. Number three, next week is Easter. But this is going to be the strangest Easter the world has experienced in a long time. We're going to try to make it very special. And we want you to come back next week to go on a journey with us. We're calling it The Way. So join us next week for Easter. Be here together. And now... We're going to finish out the book of acts steve's going to take it home for us right after our worship time
1: hey echo friends happy sunday from the buddies um it seems strange to be recording a worship song from our house for our sunday service but i'm thankful that we can still get together virtually during this time um so before i sing i wanted to share a scripture that has been an encouragement to larry and i recently um, and it's from Second Chronicles, and so Larry's going to kind of give the setup.
2: Yeah, so King Jehoshaphat and the armies of Judah <coughs> find themselves uh, confronted with the armies of Ammon and Moab, and they're greatly outnumbered. Uh, there's there's very little to no hope that they can defeat these armies. So Jehoshaphat, King Jehoshaphat, calls the people together, and they pray to God. And then he recruits some men to go before them to, to praise God in front of, of the armies of Judah. And Kristen will read about it.
1: So um, this starts in Second Chronicles verse 20, or chapter 20, verse 20. Early in the morning, as they left for the desert of Tekoa, as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah, and the people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be upheld." Have faith in his prophets, and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. So I think that's encouraging. Um, It's a good reminder, first of all, that we serve a God who can do the impossible um, and can defeat um, a mountain or defeat something that feels insurmountable. Um, I know um, things in our world right now kind of feel that way. Um, And also, I think, is a reminder that when we are faced with something that seems impossible, um, that there is power in praising him. There's power in remembering um, his faithfulness to us. And when we sing his praise, and when we praise him for who he is, and um, for what he has done in our lives, that he will bring victory, and um, yeah, so thanks, Larry. Um, I'm going to do a song, uh, sing a song called Yes, I Will, and it kind of just goes right along with the scripture, and we haven't actually done it at Echo before, but um, it's really easy, so I hope you'll sing along, or that you'll worship along, and um, I just feel like it's, it's been very encouraging to me. Um, and so I pray that you'll sing or that you'll pray or that you'll just remember God's faithfulness to you um, during this and um, pray that it blesses you.
3: All things out, you're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high from the
2: we doing this morning I'm throwing it up I'm throwing up the palm for palm Sunday which is today the palm anyway glad that you're here with us on this Sunday morning for our time of worship together as a church my name's Steve I'm one of the elders here at the church and I get the privilege today not only to preach but to wrap up a series that we started Back last fall, and you think about this, I never anticipated that when we started a series on the book of Acts all the way in the fall, that we'd hit this point where just the world has been turned upside down. However, if I am pulling the thread of this and trying to show that theme of the world turning upside down, that has been part of the premise of our study of the book Of Acts. We called this series Behind the Scenes because we said the beautiful thing about the book of Acts is that the author of the book, Luke, who wrote the Gospel of Luke, he wrote the story of the first church, how everything unfolded, and in doing so, gave us a transparent, realistic view of what it was like for the church to come of age. And the lesson for us. As a church that is always trying to come of age ourselves is to try to learn from those lessons to see what it really means to be the church and put that in our lives. Now, it's a little challenging right now because we of the church as the church have been spatially separated, but I think that's a great uh, aspect of this part of our study so that we can go back and look at what the church does so when we are back together that we are on point and ready to go. So um, this is the end of the book, and I'm going to admit that I'm not going to go fully in-depth in that. What I wanted to do, because some of us have picked up the study of the book of Acts along the way, is I wanted to explore some of the themes in the book, and you know how I'm doing that? I'm doing that today in a way that I can do, because we're doing on a video. I wrote or drew this out on some index cards. I like this, and I will admit I drew the picture My lovely daughter, Kaylin helped out because I asked her to color in my illustration. So I've picked seven moments from our study in the book of Acts that summarize the big themes about the book. And the first one I have is from Acts chapter one. It's the ascension, the ascension of Jesus, because that's how this book started. Remember that the book of Acts happens after the Gospels. And it ends with Jesus on top of a mountain outside of Jerusalem around his then 11 followers and telling them, look, guys, I am leaving. But the story of Acts starts with the ascension. And this is key for us as the church, because the message that Jesus gives here is not just telling the church to continue on, but the end is going to be similar to this is that when Jesus comes back, all will be completed, and all who follow him will ascend together. And at the beginning of the book, we see the goal of what it is for us to be Christ followers, to understand that Jesus left, but that he is coming back again. So that, as an emphasis of the story, is very key. Second theme I wanted to to focus on, was in the very next chapter, Acts chapter 2, which is known as the day of Pentecost. Your Latin might come in handy here. Penta means 50. It was 50 days after the conclusion of Passover. So this was 10 days after Jesus ascended, if we're looking at the math. The disciples were gathered in Jerusalem. Chances are because of the way we know it is that they actually were going toward the temple mount to worship. The, the book of Acts says is that when, when the Spirit came, it filled the house, and that was the house of the Lord. So the disciples were in the midst of worshiping, and Jesus promised that he would not leave them alone, and he did through the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Spirit in Christian imagery is shown by fire. And that is what filled the apostles. You remember we talked about is that they were able to speak in different languages. This was supposed to be the undoing of the book of Genesis story. After Noah and his family of the flood, all the people came together. They had one language and they were arrogant. So God gave them many languages and he confused humanity. Pentecost is the opposite of the Babel experience. He brings all of humanity back together so that there's a commonality. And this is what we're seeing across the world right now. As followers of Jesus are trying to figure out what it looks like to be the church in a digital realm, you're seeing that there might be many different languages that people are recording their messages in, but there is one message, and that is the message of God Almighty. It's the message that Jesus is Savior of all and that we are not left alone. We have the Spirit. So we had those stories, and different things happen, and then we hit Acts chapter 5, and this is one of the more peculiar stories that we have. Yes, it's the story of Ananias, and Sapphira, and you can see, is that I, I drew, illustrated it with one of the young men pulling the dead body of Ananias out. And you can see his little money bag here. And yes, our two sad faced dead emojis are the idea that at the beginning of the church, there were people who thought they could take advantage of the church. They said, hey, Ananias and Sapphira, we're going to sell this piece of property. We're giving everything to the church. They only gave a portion and said, no, we gave all. And basically, God dropped them dead. And that's an obscure story to say this is an important story in the book of Acts. The reason that I put this before us today is that this is an important story because it shows that the integrity of the church will be over all things. So it is of utmost important that we in the church maintain integrity. As Pentecost showed, we are many people becoming one. And if we're going to be one, we need to live as one. And we must be a community that is transparent in our doings. And if we try to take advantage of the church for personal gain, if we are trying to corrupt the power of God for ourselves, then judgment will be upon us. So that then leads into a few chapters later to one of the key moments of the book of Acts, and that is the conversion of Saul, who later becomes known to us as Paul, who eventually is the most predominant writer of books of the New Testament. And if you remember the story of Saul who became Paul he was actually a Jewish leader who was incensed at the movement of Christianity to the extent that he persecuted he was responsible for killing Christians and as he was moving to the city of uh, going to the city of Damascus on the road to persecute even more people God stops him in his tracks in some sort of blinding moment Saul understands that what he was doing was wrong, that the true path of the worship for the people of God would be through Jesus, and that for him to regain his sight, he would need to come along on that path. And it's very interesting is that in the early church, the conversion of Saul, who we know as Paul, this conversion experience put many of the early Christians in great fear because they thought it was a hoax. They thought Paul was out there trying to pretend to be Christian so he could identify some Christian believers and persecute them as well. But what we see here, friends, in the book of Acts is the ultimate example of life change. And this lesson for us in the church is that even as we look to other people and think they are beyond repair, God can take absolutely anyone and change their life. He is the God who transforms. And Paul becomes the central figure of that. One of the most important believers in human history, one of the most influential people in human history, started in his life as someone who killed other people who held to the belief that he then later in life so dearly held himself. Important moment in the book of Acts because it talks about what Jesus can do for us. And then that comes to fruition in the church, a collection of us who are not perfect, but who do our best. And that... (laughs) Same theme is seen itself then in Acts chapter 10, because there's a vision that Peter, the the great apostle, has. He's he's out on a roof one day, ends up having this vision, and it's a vision of a sheep being lowered down. And on this sheep was a bountiful of animals, animals that Jews would have deemed unclean. They were from the Old Testament on a list of prohibited items to eat. And yet Peter, seeing all this, and the vision that comes to him is not just of this big sheet of critters, but also the voice that said, kill and eat this. And Peter said, wait, these are unclean things. And the message of God was "Is that, look, what was once unclean is no longer that way. I have deemed it all good for you. And yes, I did some pictures here because we know that on that prohibited list was was pig which is pork. Praise the Lord for the consumption of bacon. And then we see lobster. I'm not the seafood guy, but I know some of you love that too. That was on a prohibited list in the Old Testament. God's people weren't supposed to eat lobster. They did. Yeah, I threw, um, I threw the giraffe on there because giraffe was unclean. And I don't know if that is tasty or not. I have not had draft myself. But either way, this was a microcosm of what God would do through the rest of the book of Acts and through the New Testament is that those who were once unclean, the people, the non-Jews known as Gentiles in the Hebrew Goyim, and Goyim, by the way, that Hebrew word comes from the people of the world, And what God was saying is that all the people of the world, because of Jesus, would now have access to him through Christ himself. This is a game changer in the church. And the lesson that is for you and for I is the lesson that Christ comes and he changes everything. Not just is all food good, but all the people of the earth have the opportunity to commune one on one with God if they only come to Jesus. When I want to fast forward a few chapters from that to Acts chapter 17. And in Acts chapter 17, Paul, who now has gone out and he's preached all along the greater Mediterranean world. Paul ends up in the city of Athens. And if you remember from your ancient nearest History, uh, ancient Near Eastern history lessons, is that... Athens, uh, the Macedonian Empire, Alexander the Great, rose to prominence before Jesus was born, and even though it was Rome that ruled the world at the time, Athens was still an influential city. Specifically, it was influential in thought and philosophy. So when Paul comes to the city of Athens, the first place he goes is the Oropagus, the place where all philosophical ideas were discussed. And Paul talks about the story of Jesus among the great philosophers of the day. And even though at the conclusion of his sermon there wasn't a mass conversion to Christianity What this story shows is that Christianity has a place and a voicing among the great philosophies of the day because it is a way for living that is legitimate and valuable and helpful. So Paul preaches Jesus in the center of thought of his day and it has holding. And I think that's a message for the church is that even in these times where we're looking at our response to virus and, and as we value great thought, as we value science, it doesn't mean that it's incompatible with the message of God in this world. So Christianity is not just a religion. It's a way of life that has robust meaning, and it has a place among the great thoughts of society. And then where we end up this week, and I didn't want to get too much into the story of Acts 28. But in the latter parts of Acts, and we talked about this last week as we talked about Paul being in prison and using his place as a Roman citizen to be able to seek a higher hearing for the case that was against him. Paul's goal in the conclusion of the book of Acts is to be in the city of Rome. At that point, the most influential city in the entire world. And Paul wants to get to Rome so he can tell the story of Jesus in the greatest place. Because if the gospel makes it in Rome, it's going to spread throughout the whole world. So this is what's interesting is Paul wants to make sure he makes it to Rome so he can teach the gospel to the people there. And he arrives at Rome and what we discover is that over these years, as Christianity spread throughout the book of Acts, that Christianity had already made its way to Rome. So as Paul arrives, he's not the one who brings Christianity to the city of Rome. He wants to preach there, but as he's there, he finds out that there are already people who believe it. And that's what's interesting. The idea that the end of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 28, it ends, Paul is still in house arrest there, but he's in Rome and we know from that place he writes letters that are found in the New Testament that end up influencing us Even today. And if we know the development of Christianity, we know that still, even today, even though we are not Roman Catholic, the center of Christianity, even though it started in Jerusalem, that Rome ends up being a center. And what happens to the faith is that it expands from Rome to the entire world. And now here we sit at the conclusion of the book of Acts to see the fulfillment of what happened in Acts chapter 1. Jesus ascends, he goes to heaven, and the 11 guys looking up into the sky know that he has left them a mission to go and take the gospel, the good news into the whole world. And at the conclusion of Acts, it is in the seat of culture of global influence and thought and Christianity is already there. And here we are 2000 years later, the fulfillment of that. We, as the church now, take all of this and we say, what will we do with it? And that's one of the reasons why, even as we are separate, what we are seeing is still today, the influence of the gospel is massive. And now we have a connected world through the web where every week we have churches that are producing this good news, this message is going everywhere out. And what we have to understand is that we here locally in our community of Echo Church, have the obligation, the responsibility to take that message and to continue to spread it to the world? And that's going to be the question that we have right here facing us, is how do we continue to take this good news to everywhere it is? That's the beautiful story of the book of Acts. It starts with the responsibility of a few people, and that spreads to influence the whole world. So I would say this for you and I in this time of isolation and seclusion. We're trying to figure out what we are supposed to do. You know, how do we change the world even from right here? Yeah, you might want to make a video. You might want to do your Facebook Live. That's great. But maybe, maybe, maybe just what God is calling us to the church is just to take care of what we can take care of. Be spreaders of the good news. Be those who love our faith so much, who believe so much in the world, that we are going to take it to the people we have in front of us so that that message can permeate the whole world. That's our call, friends, to be the church even when times are dark. Times might be dark right now. Let's be the church. Let's be the church. Let me pray. God, thanks for this time that we've had together this morning. Thanks for the people in our community. We pray that you keep them safe. But Father, at this time, also open up doors and opportunities for us to be those who take your good news to the world. We don't know how that's going to play out right now, Father. So we just ask that as we are trying to do that, even in these one-on-one places, that you prepare. You prepare us. You prepare the people that need to hear this. Father, we Praise you for this good news. We thank you for the message of Jesus that changes everything. Continue to change our lives because, Father, we know it can change absolutely everything. It can change eternity. And, Father, we await your return, but keep us strong until that point. Prepare us, Father, for what you have ahead of us. In all things, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Enjoy your Palm Sunday.